Welcome to Uprooted from Oakland. For the record, I am your host, Tony Fry, and it has been a crazy week, to say the least. A special special session of the Nevada legislature was called solely to discuss the A's ballpark bill, now known as SB1. Representatives from the A's gave a virtually identical presentation as they did for the Memorial Day Joint Committee, but there were a few differences this time around. For starters, they send... Um, Dave Cavill, Dave Cavill, and I can't say Dave Cavill all of a sudden. The words just don't want to leave my mouth. And uh, Catherine Aker to the Capitol. Catherine, who is essentially Cavill's right hand in the front office, spoke about the community benefits that the team will bring to Las Vegas by mostly bragging about all the great programs they'll be taking away from Oakland. It was bad optics and definitely put Aker out of her comfort zone. But that does seem to be the position the Oakland A's like to put all of their people in, um, especially in critical moments. During the Q&A portion, um, Senator uh, Donate, I believe is how you say it, um, forced Dave Cavill to leave his seat in the gallery and take on an actual question. And Cavill, as always, attempted to dodge the question and pivot to a scripted talking point. But Donate uh, wasn't having any of it. Uh, essentially, the question was, if you're so committed to the community benefit, will you just pay your taxes? And Cavill's answer was basically, um, uh, the thing you have to remember is, no, we will not. And if if my Reader's Digest version of this exchange seems hyperbolic and far-fetched, let's just watch it because it's fun to watch. Thank you so much for that. But that didn't answer my question. So again, it's a yes or no. Will you willingly commit to pay the live entertainment tax in the near future to fix the equity issue that exists? Like I said, we are committed to um, being a great community partner in Southern Nevada um, and investing, you know, over a billion dollars to ensure that, that still does not answer the question, sir. I'm asking you directly, yes or no. Will you commit to paying the equity issue that we see existence for the live entertainment tax? The, the legislation as it's currently envisioned, you know, does not contemplate that. Um, the project is based on, you know, what is currently proposed. And so we, we've been focusing on that as really the path forward, uh, for the team and for the community. Thank you. I mean, I find that disingenuous. I asked you directly, you're going to be capturing this as part of your legislation, yet you can't even commit to doing it yourself. And so I think that's something that the taxpayers must know of this state, but I divert my questions for the next round. Thank you. So that sounds crazy familiar. I believe I used the word disingenuous the last time Cavill talked to me. Um, Senators who are leaning no or are absolutely hard no's really made it uh, pretty apparent in their questions, sometimes calling into question the likelihood of any of these numbers panning out. Likewise, those who will be expecting campaign campaign donations from John Fisher also made it apparent, often advocating harder for the project than anyone on the A's team actually did. During the public comment, however, we heard much of the same that we did during the first hearing. Uh, trade unions are for it. Virtually everyone else is against it. But one opposition commentary has really resonated with A's fans, um, and that came from Steve Pastorino, who was formerly the senior director of corporate partnerships for the Oakland A's. Um, his indeed says 2014 to 2017 in, in his testimony, he says 18. So he would have worked with Cavill for eight years or eight years, eight or nine months to a year plus um, before leaving for another gig. Here's what he had to say about this proposal. Pastorino, P-A-S-T-O-R-I-N-O. And I live in Senator Dondera Loop's district. But from 2014 to 2018, I was a senior executive for the Oakland Athletics living in Oakland, California. I worked for Dave Cavill and two desks over from Catherine Aker. There are so many holes in what the A's are trying to sell us that I 
I can't cover it in two minutes, but just a few. First of all, the walking, talking bobblehead known as Dave Cavill can't even answer Senator Donate's questions today about whether the A's will participate in the live entertainment tax. You cannot trust Dave Cavill. My former colleague, Catherine Aker, sent here to do John Fisher's bidding, meekly offering a million dollars in community support. How many fields does a million dollars build? Those of us who are in Clark County who have seen our high schools redo all their football fields in recent years, a million dollars is a drop in the bucket. The A's community programs are a joke in Oakland and they're gonna be no better here in Las Vegas. When asked by Senator Flores how much time, money, and effort the A's put into developing or drafting one player, no one could answer because the A's representatives aren't here talking to you. Well, the answer is years and years and millions of dollars, and yet they're gonna try and cram a $380 million stadium scam in 10 days before us. Please, I urge you to give this more proper consideration. That is Oakland hero, um, uh, Stephen Pastorino. I tried tracking down Steve's email to get him on the show today, but uh, I came up empty. I searched high and low. Um, if you're watching, Steve, and I doubt that you are, but on the off chance you are, I can be reached at uprooted at herohabit.com, and I'd love to chat with you. I would just, it would tickle me to no end. Um, so after hours of delays, the hearing finally concluded in the middle of the night with no resolution. Today, both houses of the legislature were called to order just long enough to register a lack of a quorum um, and go into recess until Monday, June 12th. Monday, June 12th also happens to be the date that I'll be hosting all A's fans who are interested for a live video diary of why we love this team. Um, the link to that will, uh, to the live stream is already up on the YouTube page, and I'll be posting instructions on there uh, pretty soon, probably tonight or tomorrow, um, for you to join. Uh, the goal is for it to be a celebration of the team on the eve of the reverse boycott on Tuesday. And if you just want to complain about Fisher and Cavill, Hit me up separately, and we'll do that on another night. That's what tonight's for. But Monday is supposed to be good times and happy memories. So what else happened today? Casey Pratt reported that yesterday, while his team was fighting for its life in Nevada, he was uh, Dave uh, John Fisher was touring the old Oakland Raiders practice facility in Alameda. Pratt later reported that this was likely connected to some earthquakes business because it is currently the home of the Roots uh, practice facility, which is the Oakland soccer team. But uh, if I was a Nevada legislature, I'd legislator, um, I'd definitely make someone from the team explain why Fisher was touring properties in the Bay Area while asking for money from Nevada. Does he intend to buy the land? Because it is currently on the market. Um, on its surface, this isn't much of a story, but when you factor in the timing and the surrounding circumstances, it seems relevant to want more details from the man himself, or at the very least from Cavill, who would surely answer honestly, concisely, and coherently. For anyone who wants to follow that thread, the site in question is southwest of the current Coliseum site on the part of Southern Alameda that isn't actually a part of the main island. It would have uh, airport proximity issues similar to the Tropicana site, but it's slightly larger. I think it was 11 and a half acres versus the nine that they're having in, in Vegas and has some surrounding land that is currently undeveloped. Uh, one tweeter mentioned to me that the transportation in that area would suck for ballpark, but for drivers, it would be all uh, it wouldn't be all that much different from Howard Terminal. Um, there's just significantly less public transit access, and there's basically one road. Uh, I could make a ballpark work there in my mind, but it's not going to be as good as Howard Terminal or building on the current site, but it's probably cheaper. So that said, we don't know what he was there for. 
Um, and, and all the assumptions are that it had nothing to do with the A's directly, but keep that in the back of your mind. If you start hearing that they're, they're searching in Oakland again, and it's just weird. Uh, the timing of it is just weird. Then within the last couple of hours, it came out that the California transportation commission has recommended a $30.2 million grant uh, request to improve railway and pedestrian safety through much of Jack London square, including the area directly surrounding Howard terminal where the railroad tracks are. They're just simply in the middle of the street. If you've never been there, it's two lanes going this way, two lanes going that way. And then railroad tracks at street level. Um, This is of course a major win for the A's if they decide to come back to the table in Oakland, but if not still a great chance to make Jack London square safer for visitors. And all of that, and we haven't even talked about uh, Casey Pratt's interview with the mayor of Oakland, uh, Congresswoman Lee's letter to the commissioner of baseball, which not too subtly throws around the potential for antitrust challenges in court. There was a lot going on. And to talk about it all, I am joined today um, by, for the record, Kim, who joined us on the very first episode. Hello, Kim. Hello. How are you? I'm swell. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. What what's uh, what are you thinking today? I feel so out of the loop because I was just like so busy with other things at work. But I was like, when I didn't feel like actually doing work while I was at work, I was like on Twitter, like trying to keep up with everything, which is like this is even more of a shit show than it like it started out bad, and it just gets worse like as we continue. And I'm just like, at what point? does the commissioner step in and do something? Because I'm just like, I'm frustrated as not only an A's fan, but a baseball fan, because you look at one, this is horrible, horrible press for sports and Oakland. And they're just embarrassing themselves. Like the more this goes on and everything, it's just like, I'm embarrassed. I think the commissioner definitely should be embarrassed, but I also, I don't understand how Cavill keeps his job. Like, I, um, He's we're, very committed. But yeah, I mean, he is, and he <laughs> should favorite be. favorite word, committed. <laughs> but it's like, I would have, if, if I'm the owner of a billion dollar business and my president biffed as hard as he did for Laney, that would have been strike one, two, and maybe three all in one swing. So to go out there yesterday and like just that was embarrassing for him. It was embarrassing for the team. Manfred, if he was paying any attention at all, should have been embarrassed by it. Like, I just don't understand why they keep trotting him out. I mean, obviously, they didn't trot him out. The the senator basically forced him um, to come down and talk. But it just seems like you have you have so many people who have no business speaking in front of people representing your entire project. And I just laughed like watching that clip because all I could think of was your interview with him. What was it last year? Mm-hmm. Where he kept like dancing around and not actually giving an answer to the question. And you just like kept going back to it. And he he he's very good at dodging questions, but at some point you're gonna have to answer them. Right. Like people wanna know where is this money going? You can't just like dance around and skirt around the issue at some point you're going to have to answer because this is a lot of money that you're asking for people to pay for ballpark Mm -hmm. when your owner supposedly has a shit ton of money like why the math isn't mathing 
and is potentially looking at land in Alameda. You know, like, and I, like I said, we don't know what that was for, but if I'm, if I'm trying to give someone a loan for $300 million and the optics are that he is looking to spend money elsewhere, mm-hmm. my first thought is why can't you spend that money here? Yep. If you're going to go buy a $50 million piece of land, then we can give you 250 instead of 300 Yeah, and it's less risk on us and more investment from the person that's actually doing it. And even like going back to like the Howard terminal was supposed to be like, we're not taking taxpayer money. We're going to pay for that. Like suddenly now it's a different story in a different city. And it's just, things don't make sense. Well, I don't know if and, you watched the hearing last night, but one, one of the senators actually asked, they said, is there a chance that my constituent constituents property tax would go up? And there is a chance it's like number five on their list. And their representatives tried so, so hard to not say it. But then he was like, you know, we've got all these uh, backstops to, to prevent anything from happening before it gets to the property tax, you know, where the county's on the hook. Because the county is going to have to come up with that money somehow. And they've only got, you know, limited revenue areas. And so he was really trying to be laying out, you know, this was only if they make no revenue at all, will this be an issue? And in my thought, and, I, and I'm probably wrong about this because I'm not thinking of it in the right terms, but they're talking about the first three years of these bonds are, are when the building's under construction. So how much revenue are they actually making in that time? Zero. And, and, and their whole thing is, you know, we're going to uh, have two years of reserves so that they can make those two years of payments. And then it goes into some other thing. Like there's all these things, but they got two years worth of reserves, but that money is st- suddenly magically appearing on a building it's that magic. isn't built yet. That isn't making any revenue at all. You watched um, Schitt's Creek, right? Yeah. The only thing that like comes to mind is when Dave was like, you just expense it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's expense. Like yeah. you don't understand how money works. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't magically appear for you. You can't just spend money you don't have. Pieces are missing from this puzzle and no one seems to know where those pieces are or how they work. And then the other thing too is like they keep talking about how it's it's not taxpayer money because it's money that hasn't appeared yet. It's We're borrowing money that we haven't made yet and then we'll pay it back later. But it's like, that is, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but in this case, and this is where it's different from Oakland in my, in my estimate, this is pulling money from somewhere else that would have been paying the taxes, right? Because in Oakland, it's like, okay, we're not pulling any, anybody from other attractions. It's not like we're pulling them from a Raiders game or a casino or Cirque du Soleil show um, to come to an A's game. But to do this in, in, in Las Vegas, you are if you're going to have 30,000 people there, those are 30,000 people that most of them would have been going to somewhere else that would have been paying the taxes. So it may not be a direct, the taxpayers are fronting this money uh, in the traditional sense of like the city's just writing a check. But there is, this is, this is not new revenue. This is diverted revenue from places that are paying taxes. I don't think that's getting 
unless I'm totally wrong about that, I don't think it's really getting addressed enough in the congressional uh, committees and all that kind of stuff. And then also these, the special committee hearing that they're doing, um, this is also costing taxpayer money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so they we're said, already wasting taxpayer money and you don't even have the agreement yet. I saw one of the reporters the other day said 100000 but one of the senators yesterday said quarter of a million a day. And I so, wrong job. Right? No kidding. <laughs> and so we are now half a million dollars into taxpayer money for this uh, spe- special session. And they literally met on the books for four minutes today. Now, obviously, I mean, I'm sure there was plenty of stuff going on in the back. So the rumor was, because there were a bunch of senators that, that said, you've had 10 days since the first committee thing until today to make some amendments, to address our concerns. You know, we asked you questions on Memorial Day, and you have changed. There's not a single word that's different now. You've had 10 days. And some of them were suggesting language that should be added, and none of it was beneficial for the A's, which is why it wasn't in there in the first place. But they were suggesting language changes and most of it was just clarifying stuff or or hard commitments instead of saying well if we over exceed then a certain amount of money after it goes through these eight or nine other things on this waterfall they're talking about then we will give whatever's left over all they're saying is well we want one percent of ticket sales or five million dollars or whatever the thing is they want clarifying language so the rumor is is that the a's were spending all day today trying to get those amendments in and all that. So this, this still hasn't been out of committee. Um, so we've had two hearings now. It's still not out of committee. And just based on the fact that they didn't have a single anything today. I mean, it was supposed to happen at several points today, and they, they, they didn't have a quorum, so they canceled it the whole day. Tells me that either the A's are not willing to make those amendments or they're not willing to make them satisfactory, satisfactorily, satisfactorily. How do you say that word? Satisfactorily. Uh, That's the, a really good question. <laughs> I know where you're going. So, it's, in, yeah. it's in my it's in my head now. I can't I can't think of the right word. Um, when your or, brain and your mouth aren't on the same page. Or like uh, Wayne in the in the comments says, they don't have the votes yet. Nope. Which I mean, if they had the votes, they would have done it last night. Um, who was it? The person that was like, "Oh, I've met Fisher. He he seems like, what was it like? Oh that I was just like, are you sure that was Fisher? You could, you could have. Uh, I mean, I I've never met him, but like where my tickets were, the section next to me, so one twenty one, used to be like player, family, and employee section, and then they put in the tables with the TVs and whatnot. Um, so he was actually sitting at like the table next to my section. So he was right there and like people kept coming up to him all game and, you know, he was very nice and saying hi and took some pictures, but I'm pretty sure that's the only time he's interacted with anyone. Yeah. I mean, I know people that have met him and they say he's perfectly pleasant, but they weren't dealing with him in a business setting. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really speak. What, what I think got all the eyes rolling, nobody's saying he's not a nice guy. I mean, you can be a perfectly pleasant guy and still be a dick. But uh, I think what got everybody's eyes rolling 
was the he's a man of integrity because we've that seen no we've seen no example of that and that would be the public facing uh you know image that john fisher is going to put out there should be of integrity and i have not seen that in a single business venture he's ever had yeah that was something as i, I tweeted out i was like she is 100 percent financing her her next campaign on john fisher's donations because <laughs> somebody said it was like, reading like, a she was like re- she, you could see she was like reading something i'm like <laughs> Yeah, that's not from the heart. <laughs> it's something else. So I had someone um, who will remain nameless. But uh, last week when I made the comment on Twitter, and I, and I referenced this in the last episode of the show, um, I, I went on Twitter and I said, hey, if Cavill and Fisher are walking around the halls in the Capitol, it's because they don't have the votes. And and some people were like, no, they're just fine tuning it, and they're you know doing this. And I was like, that's the exact same thing as what I just said. If if they're going there to fine tune things, it's because they're swaying people on the fence. It's the exact same thing I said. And one person actually wrote, it's a done deal. <laughs> and and they are the authority on these things. They have they have eyes and ears and canaries inside the Capitol. And uh, a couple of days ago, I went back to reference that uh, reply. And he deleted it. And I just thought that was interesting. I'm not throwing shade. I mean, maybe I am. But, you know, it must be nice to always be right because you can always just delete your wrongs. Another man of integrity on the old Twitters. Um, Yeah, because I remember you brought that up and you you said something about it. And 100%, like, you think of it as a campaign. So, like, anyone else on a campaign trail, you look at you know, the presidential election, like they're not going to places where they're like not concerned about getting the votes. Exactly. Yeah. They're going play. They're going to the swing States where they, they, they're desperate for the votes. And like, this is the people we need to be talking to. No one goes where they don't, Yeah. where they don't need to. Yeah. Joe Biden is not campaigning in California and he's not campaigning in Utah, you know, cause he knows he's got one locked and he's got one that he's never going to get, you know, yeah. And it's the exact same thing. If you are roaming the halls, going door, and then there were still senators yesterday that said they've never met any of these guys. How can you be there for two friggin' years and not be shaking the hands of every senator and assembly person in that building? Whether you think they're going to be an automatic yes or an automatic no, that's part of the gig. Cavill's job is to, to get all these guys on his side and to get the surrounding community on his side. If he was doing his job, there would be community members in the support uh, during the public comments, not just trade unions who are literally paid by their members to go and speak on behalf of big projects like this. If this falls through, which it might, yeah, when it falls through, then the next thing for that site is going to be the Tropicana pitching, wanting some kind of permits or whatever. And those same trade unions are going to talk about what a great job it's going to be for the Tropicana to build there. The, 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 the jobs are not related to this project. They're not supporting this project. They're supporting any project. And he, so if you take those people out, they have almost nobody voicing any support from this from their community. And that is the job of the president. This is what he was tasked to do in San Jose. And that's what he tried to start doing when he came to Oakland, you know, try to get the fans behind them. And so that, and he told me this personally, so that you can get the fan support. We were going to do the heavy lifting for him. 
because we were going to go to city council meetings on their behalf and and fight and get the fan voice in there. And he's not done any of that in Las Vegas in two years. So that's another failure on this group. But to have senators actually say, hi, we've never met before. It's like that is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, everything that has come out of this seems like this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And yet, exactly. I love that the comments pop up. This is so much more fun. <laughs> uh, Wayne says that Cavill showed exactly why he won't talk to you again, Tony. Uh, I don't think he's talked to anybody. He's done a couple interviews in Las Vegas with the local media. I don't think he's talked to a single media person, and, and not that I'm a media person, but he hasn't talked to a legitimate, well, Catherine Akers thinks I am, but nobody else does. Um, I don't think he's talked to any like legitimate reporter uh, in newspapers or television in the Bay Area since that week of bad press that he got between me and Damon and uh, the Seagull. I don't think he's spoken to anybody. I mean, he's scared. He's scared to face the, the music, you know, in the Bay Area. And so I think that's part of what's driving this Las Vegas thing is just they're afraid to come back and face this music. And it's like, well, that, again, that's your job. You knew the gig when you said yes. Um, going to the comments on the community, because mm -hmm. that one kind of struck a nerve with me. Because I, prior to COVID, the A's did have the volunteer team that every month there was multiple volunteer activities to do things to help in the community around Oakland that were all really, really great. Um, I did a lot of volunteer hours with them and then COVID happened. And obviously we couldn't do those things and it never really came back. I'm volunteering with them this weekend. Um, but like last year, there was only two events and it was only because they were MLB initiatives that are the play ball. So there's something this weekend at the Coliseum. So people listening, if you have little kids, like, um, like I was talking about it with some people yesterday and like the shitty thing about all of this is the younger generations. Because while, yes, we still will have a baseball team here, if they do, if they do leave, the Giants are still here. It's not really affordable like it is going to the Coliseum. And if you're in the East Bay, like, you don't want to have to go drive to San Francisco on a weeknight to go to the game with, like, all your little kids or on the weekend, like, or taking Bart because um, Bart's sketchy. Let's just be real. Um so it's not as convenient as going to the call scene. It's not affordable. And so it's the younger generations that are being impacted. And I remember last year working at this event and, you know, it was for kids, I think like 13 and under and seeing the excitement of all of them, like getting to come to the Coliseum, like it was just for them. It wasn't like anything else happening. It was only them. Like they got to go on the field and like, run on the field and play in the dirt inside and the excitement on their faces and, you know, being able to do that. And some of the players that were on the IL came and were there and like talking with them. And the 
fact that that has a possibility of leaving, that's the part that kind of burns the most is like, yeah. it sucks for the fans that, you know, obviously we're all upset, but then you think about the future generations that are being deprived of the memories that we have and those experiences, that's what sucks. Well, and that's the thing Catherine Aker too was saying that, you know, they are sponsoring these little league teams and, um, I know they had in the past, I don't know if they've done it recently, but they used to refurbish little league fields all over the East Bay and, and, and provide equipment and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, MLB talks about diversity and getting kids involved in the game. And um, I can't think of a market that is more ripe for diverse children than the Bay Area, the East Bay as a uh-huh. whole. That's you know, so to pull and somebody I saw tweeted that where it's like if they let the A's leave Oakland, if they let a baseball team leave the East Bay, they have to stop with those initiatives altogether because it's yeah. just straight up just it's just a lie. It's just a talking point. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I it I don't know. That whole thing, you know, it's it's rough. And and to listen to them not only be taking away the baseball team we like to watch, but to be taking away baseball teams from nine-year-old kids, like literally, you know, these teams that are sponsored by them, where are they going to come up with the funds um, to, to continue, you know, without the support of the team? And then like our friend Steve has pointed out a few times, you know, they keep bragging about these community benefits that they do, but it's like they get volunteers like you to run the thing. And they get volunteers to pay for it. They're not actually fronting any of that money. It comes out of a 50-50 raffle or the root beer float day and things like that. Like they they do all these things, these fundraisers, but it's not coming out of their pocket. And so to do that in Las Vegas, you're starting from zero. You know, they're not just going to be able to transfer the Oakland A's community fund um, and keep that going right out of the gate because they've had years and years and years of developing the fan base that supports these things and the events that attract the fans to raise the money and all that kind of stuff. That's not going to just be able to replicate overnight, you know, in a new market. So all this stuff, it's like, I mean, I'm not, I'm preaching to a choir here to say that they're just blowing smoke up everyone's ass, but that is exactly all they're doing. It's very smoky. It's like the East coast. There's so much smoke. Um, 510 Bobble says that he is a coach in a little league sponsored by the A's. It's a complete joke. Yikes. I mean, that's what uh, several people have, have said. And I think that's what Steve was trying to say in his uh, testimony the other day is that it's not as great as Catherine Akers is making it appear. Also, somebody was kind enough to send me a, a tweet, a DM saying that uh, I now have Steve Pastorino's email address so maybe next week they found it a lot easier than i did um wow it's getting good i i don't know if he'd say yes he's a professional guy he said his piece but if he would do the show i would I mean, I, yeah i want some tea um, we want all the tea <laughs> let's go into the comments here let me see what we've got that's uh Joshua agrees that Nevada legislature should question Fisher about Alameda and maybe wanting to buy it. 100%. Um, 
and even if it is innocuous and they're just going to uh, get ideas for a San Jose earthquakes facility, practice facility, it still begs the question, why are you investing in that team and why not? And, and the optics, you couldn't have waited until next week to do that tour? I mean, let's be real. He can't seem – I mean, timing has not been their friend at any point. Uh, Eric says Manfred thinks the MGM site hearings are going well. <laughs> I was like, wait, is there another site that we don't know about? <laughs> That's uh, remember at the, at the Brewers game, Manfred was told Susan Slusser that yeah. he thought the MGM <laughs> deal was going to happen. I was like, um, wait, where's the MGM site? Is that a, is that a third option? That just, well, I mean, it is in every I rendering. Mean, There's no site of the Tropicana in any of the renderings, but it is nothing but MGM. That is the largest nine acres I've ever seen in my right. life. <laughs> and none of the senators are question that either. That seems like the, this, there's so many, if you are truly against this project and maybe none of them are, maybe it is just a, a, a pony show to get like, to be like, look, I fought him hard. I fought him hard. I fought him hard. So they're constituents. But if you really wanted to kill this project, it'd be real easy to go. So you've come here asking for money for a bill that doesn't name the site specifically, that doesn't name the team specifically with renderings that won't fit on the amount of land that you've got. Uh, without having talked to the transportation board, without having approvals from the FAA, and you want us to hand you the check now? That done. Now you've got the biggest out because they can't they can't fight back on that, you know. And they and they tried last night with uh, one of the things saying that well this is how the Raiders did it, but that that doesn't mean that it was a good idea, you know. And you've got different people in charge now, you know, in some cases. So. Um, Wayne Coy says it would make sense if Manfred and other owners know the deal and are providing cover so he can get out and avoid a really bad black eye on MLB. Which is the most interesting thing. Like speaking of black eye, like we're coming, we're still dealing with the steroid era and the fallout from that. There's still people that are pissed about the strike back in the fucking 90s. I'm still mad about the strike last year. You have a lot of negatives piling up. You would think you would be doing a little bit more to, I don't know, improve your look to fans yeah. and just in general. Like you look at every other sport and like they don't really seem to be having the same issues that baseball does. Like they have their own issues. Don't get me wrong; they all have their own issues. But you know, yeah, football has got every day a domestic <laughs> violence incident or a uh, 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 an ex player having horrible brain injuries. All this, all this stuff that should be a, a business, an industry killer. And they managed uh -huh. to be the biggest sport in the country. Uh-huh. You know? So if baseball can't get past uh, some guys doing steroids in the 90s, and like I've always said, it's a marketing thing, too. Oh, they don't market. They do not They do not know how to market beyond their own fan base, right? I, I've used this example 15 times, so people have heard it already. But it's like, my mother doesn't follow sports at all. She knows who Steph Curry is because NBA is good at marketing. She knew who Joe Montana was. She knows who 
uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is. She knows she she may not be able to tell you the team, but she knows that's a football player, that's a basketball Kevin, player, whatever. Tom Brady, like you can yeah. name Patrick Mahomes. I could name the ten I mean, best Paul. baseball players. I could name the ten baseball pl- best plays baseball players on the planet right now. And she won't know a single one. She doesn't know Mike Trout or Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani. None of these people. She doesn't know them. If you can't market Shohei Otani, who is like a generational player, you're you're missing. Like what? Mike Trout did some Subway commercials five years ago, and then that was it. That was the most. That was the most uh, marketing I've seen them do for like nationally. And so and that makes it even harder, I think, to relocate a team nowadays. It is probably harder now than it's ever been in the history of baseball to relocate a team because there is no national um, marketing or anything like that. There's no national presence. It's all local. So the local people know who Tony Kemp is. Mm-hmm. If, if people in Vegas are only casual fans who don't follow the A's, they have no idea who Tony Kemp is. This is a shame. You know? And and so that makes it harder to relocate because you're n- nobody's sitting in in Vegas right now if th- hoping that they get Mike Trout to come over you know hoping yeah. they move the Angels and get Mike Trout you know because nobody knows unless yeah. you're already following baseball and those I'm are like, not the people you need to be attracting. You look like Derek Carr. Everyone knows who Derek Carr is. At least I like to think that everyone knows who Derek Carr is. Mm-hmm. But like you had noticeable names on the Raiders. You have, I mean, football obviously draws more than baseball. It's, it's a known fact. And when you're trying to move a team, when you have basically a double A team, that's not helping your case. And then them being like, well, you know, obviously you need to move them. They don't have fans. Would you pay $90 to go watch that? Yeah. And like I talked to one of my coworkers, he was like, "Oh, I thought of you the other day. I was at a sports bar and they had the A's game on. I'm like, or because he's like, I saw something with the A's. And I'm like, oh, were they losing or was it Vegas? <laughs> he's like, they were playing. I was like, oh, so they were losing. Cool. He's like, yeah. And one was like shocked when they got a hit, and I was like, yep, that's that's a heads up. That's that's checks. Um, Daniel asks. Is the delay from the Nevada Senate good or bad? I mean, it's bad for the taxpayers' money, but... Yeah, it's bad for Nevada, yeah, a quarter million a day. Um, I think it's both. You can have hope that there's this delay. You can take hope from it because that means they don't have the votes. If they had the votes as is, they would have taken a vote last night or convened today to take the vote. So as the bill stands now... I think you can take get some hope that it's not going to pass because of this delay. But it also indicates that there are people willing to work to get to a yes. Um, I've seen some reports that are saying the Democrats that are no's are, are very staunch no's. But um, it, then they're in the control. The Democrats have both houses in the, in the legislature. If, if it was a done deal either way, they would have voted on it today. So take some hope that it's not a done, it's not the done deal that people are saying in my Twitter feed, but it's also um we're not out of the woods yet, I think. Agree, no. disagree? I, I I think yeah, the delay is saying that there's still possibility. I'm kind of the mentality to be like, yo, we're spending 
this much money of taxpayer money this is a waste of time like we'll just you you had your shot you didn't hit the time frame this is the next year issue yeah that's where well, i am because i'm like stop wasting money stop wasting money be... stop wasting time when you don't have your shit together it's clear you don't have your shit together you're not going to magically get it together it would actually be a 2025 issue Oh shit! <laughs> they meet. They meet every other year for, <laughs> for like five months. So how do I get that job? Right. <laughs> I want to work every other year. And uh, and except for the last like forty days, you don't really have to put in that crazy hours. Like this last few weeks has been nuts for him, but you know, but yeah. So that would be a twenty twenty five issue if it doesn't get pushed, or you have to ask for another special session. Um, to get it done six months, 10 months, a year from now, which I don't know if the governor is going to have the um, political power, you know, motivation no. to do it in a year. It's like, this is the time that he can get it done. People might cool on it. He might start losing some support. He's got some, uh, some uh, uh, ethics charges up against him. He may not have the political maneuverability to get the Democrats to say yes to a special session a year from now. So it's either now or 2025. Cause I know they have the, was it the formula one that's trying, that's coming. That's going to take some money. Probably yeah. I didn't pay too much attention to that, but I know like people that I've spoken to in Vegas that are like one, they want, they don't want a relocated team. They want their own team, but but they would rather have an NBA team. It's <laughs> amazing. But they'd rather have an NBA team, which financially, like, I feel like if the NBA were to go in there and be like, hey, instead of giving the A's this money, give us this money and we can build a team here. And I feel like the NBA would be a financially better situation just on principle. Like I get that there's less games, but yeah, but I they're feel also like it's a better. I think, draw. Uh, I think NBA is a better tourist draw too. than baseball. You would, get, you would probably get the end, um, the all-star game. Because right now, when they have it in Vegas, that is that what UNLV mm -hmm. that they could have it there at a new stadium, and they could probably get it more frequently. Because like the All Star Game for baseball, you really would only get it once every maybe ten years. If they got it at all, they might get it yeah. once just because it's a new shiny thing. But a thirty thousand seat arena, I don't or stadium, <laughs> I I don't think is going to be even on the decade. <laughs> Uh, rotation because yeah. they could have it in all you know, in anywhere else and add fifteen or twenty thousand seats to it. Unless they do the smart thing, because um, well, that rules the Cardinals. <laughs> the Cardinals had something in their agreement to get their new stadium out in Glendale, the card football mm -hmm. football team. Um, that to get the new stadium, that they would get the Super Bowl every so many years oh yeah so that was built into their contract to get the new stadium now they were smart and we were like 
we can guarantee that we'll give you the all-star game here every X amount of years. But did they? I think they I, that I know that's not in that. That would be a genius, genius move. But did they build, did the Cardinals go and build the smallest stadium in the NFL? They did not, no. See, that's the thing. Is They built a really nice stadium. They built in the middle of nowhere that's now been built up around it. That's the thing is I just don't see. Which is and the, the key. And they're, in their presentation, which they've had 10 days to fix, so that nobody went online and saw, oh, Twitter's ripping us apart for slide 14 or whatever. Um, in their thing, they said uh, they, they, they could potentially host the World Baseball um, 2023, which is happened three months ago. <laughs> you know? And so like my buddy, Jason was like, my buddy, Jason was like, Oh, they're going to host this year's world baseball classic. And I was like, yeah. And they're also going to host WrestleMania 12 and the 1984 winter Olympics. You know, wait, wait, wait. It's like, did they pull a Nike stuff? Curry. Cause it, like the, what was the story that Steph Curry met with Nike and, the presentation had someone else's name or his name was wrong. Something like the details that like, like they basically didn't give a shit about him. That it was just like, we're Nike. You're going to sign with us. Yeah. Was this like the Oakland presentation from like a couple years ago? Like we get this new stadium at Howard Terminal. Like we'll get these. They just like changed the name from Oakland to Vegas. Maybe. It could have been. I mean, that was the only outdated one. I mean, it was like obvious that they just copy and pasted logos from a Google image search, <laughs> but it, it very well could have just been a two year old uh, thing. But like they list, they listed the World Baseball Classic. That's every four years. The All Star Game, like you said, that'd be once a decade at the most. Um, they did SummerSlam and uh, one other WWE event, which are regularly hosted in 55 60,000 seat football arenas. So also, they're not going to cut their attendance in half when they're already charging $300 a ticket. They're not going to go to a 30,000 seat arena. And also like the difference between like Vegas and here, like there's not like a ton of places in Oakland to have like a concert or they have like a venue thing. Like you have right. Oracle the Coliseum, Chase Center now. Other Oracle? Are, are they both Oracle? Or we, yeah. That's so stupid. Or SAP down in San Jose. Vegas, you've got the Raiders Stadium, the Knights Arena, 50,000 other things all right there. They yeah. can all host plus, an event. Plus 30 theaters that are like eight to 10,000 each, you know? Yeah, all within, what, half a mile? Mm -hmm. like it's not the same market as here like you're not the only place that can host this like unless it's during football season i'd be like i'm just gonna go to allegiant thanks though no i, I think they're and they say they're underestimating i think they're grossly overestimating uh how many big events are going to want and annually you can't Tell the legislature the only way this works is if if we can fill up this place nine other days out of the year with the World Baseball Classic and uh, the All Star Game. Things that are never going to be annual. You know, you just can't. It's like so. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. In the thirty years that that they will be tax exempt and paying this whole thing off, or fifteen years to pay it off, or whatever. 
you could, if you got it every year, you're not getting the world baseball classic one of four times, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's not going to be enough to, to do it. So it's like for the first, what are you doing those three years in between those events? What are you doing the 10 years in between all-star games? What are you doing the 30 years between world series? Because you're dealing with the A's. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're paying all this money, what money, what money is left to go to, to your payroll? None. And they think that they think they think that that things are going to be better in Vegas when John Fisher has a billion dollar loan to pay back. I mean, that's my problem. If you're going to have a problem with Howard Terminal or the current site or um, this Alameda site or any other site, Howard or Laney College or Fremont or any of it, the real problem here is that Fisher at the end of the day will own this team and have a billion dollar plus loan against it that he'll have to pay off. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros. And there's no amount of increased attendance or honeymoon period for a new stadium that is going to allow him to pay down that debt and invest in the team. It's going to be one or the other. And it's going to be the debt because you don't want to foreclose on a baseball team. Oh my God. You know? Like, how funny would that be, though? I mean, if anyone was going to do it, it would be us. And that's the thing. It's like, I've said this to other people, and I've said it on here, too. It's like, I'm at the point where I hope they're the worst team in baseball. Because it's like, I don't, I don't, at this point, I don't want them to be top 10. If we're going to suck, let's, let's make this. I was around for the 20 let's win streak. Let's be the shittiest let's of Let's be the shitty. worst. Um and yeah, and if and if the team is gonna foreclose on themselves, let's let it be us. Like at this point, Moneyball Two is gonna be a crazy movie. Um, Joshua says Man Fraud should get the axe to um, next to Fisher and Cavill. I'm wondering if he has a hand in these special sessions by strong arming these politicians to keep this bill going. I don't know if he has a strong arm or anything because um, who likes Manfred? Nobody does. I don't think. Um, Honestly, and I've said this about the A's I don't too, think he likes baseball. I don't think any of them are smart enough to pull off some grand scheme. This is, you know, I, I said it somewhere else. It's like everybody's trying to think like, oh, they're playing three-dimensional chess. They're doing this, and when they get this bill passed, and Oakland's going to come crawling back, and this and that. And the other. It's like, no, they showed up to the chess match with a Candyland board. They're not even prepared to play anything Like else. they're playing checkers. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, this is not a sophisticated group of people. Now, Manfred should get the ax and the other owners should be very concerned about how far he's let this go um, and how embarrassing it has become to baseball. The narrative around an entire franchise hasn't been about baseball all year, except for the fact that they suck. But 90% of the national news that is related to the A's is about the embarrassment of John Fisher's tanking of this team and the back and forth with the Las Vegas sites and abandoning Oakland. All of this should be concerning that, that, that uh, Manfred is letting this establish new precedents that the brewers might try now that um, they're saying, give us $400 million or we're going to take you to court. Um, and the Royals are now looking for a new stadium too. I mean, like, yeah. And, and the, the Rays, Rays are still, the Rays are still, you know, I mean, the Rays are the A's of the East. Yeah, but they at least win games. But he is letting he's letting so much go that is establishing precedent that you're going to be like, well, why can't I tank the team and devalue it to the point where 
I can just move to another city. The A's did it and they got a Vegas stadium with public funding. Mm-hmm. So I think he should be outed, but um, I don't think there's some nefarious plot here because I don't think they're smart enough to get it through. Um, or maybe there was a nefarious plot and because they're not smart enough, that's why it's been such a shit show. But I will say it has been nice to see as we've been going along this journey for the last what month and a half, two months almost. The narrative kind of went from oh, it's the fans' fault to maybe it's not the fans' fault. Let's look and see at everything that's happening. Like, it's it's not the fans. That the narrative has kind of shifted to it's the owner and there's an issue here. And the attention that it's kind of starting to get nationally being brought to, I won't say light, but kind of the light to people that haven't really been paying attention. Was it Barbara Lee that sent the, yeah. the letter to? That was amazing. I was like, more of that, please. Yeah. Uh, that should have been enough for Manfred to just bolt out of Vegas. Has he been spotted in Vegas? I don't think so. I haven't seen anything that says he has. I mean, technically, he needs to stay away from it for a lot of the reasons that Barbara Lee suggested that this was a potential conflict of the antitrust exemption he needs to not be involved to a degree but he also needs to be stepping in because as she said in her letter the whole argument uh, for the antitrust exemption in today's day and age is that it prevents teams from upping and leaving their communities and he is willfully letting this happen uh, whether he is encouraging it or supporting it or assisting in it or not he's he's definitely allowing it to happen he hasn't put a stop to it um i don't know and i asked somebody else um in politics the other day and i didn't get a straight answer from them so i don't know but i don't know what the actual legal uh argument is for the antitrust thing that Barbara Lee, because Barbara Lee in her letter was a great letter, but it only cited things that Manfred had said, you know, so it doesn't really cite, you know, these are the legal precedents or this is what we've tried in some case in 1918 or whatever the issue is. I haven't seen any legal standing on on how they would do it. Um, But I'd imagine if Barbara Lee is a Congresswoman is willing to write that letter, there must be some something deeper than we have you on record saying people won't move because they also have the the uh, mechanics in their CBA on exactly how a team would move. I think maybe waiving the relocation fee might be where she's got the biggest uh, legal sway because it's like mm, you said that they wouldn't move because of these guardrails. And you took the guardrails away, but I don't know how that would work. I mean, it um, seems like something that me with downtime would like to dive into and find all the exact wording and be that person. Yeah. Joshua says, I'm wondering if Oakland will go along with this antitrust exemption and take Fisher and Manfred to court. They definitely didn't act in good faith. I mean, they didn't. And they probably have a right to, but how much does Oakland want to invest in litigation? That's not going to be cheap to take on Major League Baseball in what's going to be a Supreme Court case. But 
on the flip, we have a Supreme Court right now that has made it very clear they would love that case to come to them so they can flip it. So, I mean, there is a little bit of leverage there uh, in the fact that if Manfred really wants to keep that exemption, he needs to keep this out of litigation, um, at least while the Supreme Court is split the way it is. But, yeah, I don't know how much Oakland, would, how much of their resources they could actually afford to invest in, in that kind of uh, drawn out process where they could still end up losing the team. Even if they won the case, they could still end up losing the team because it's going to drag out so long. Um, yeah, I don't know. Has Oakland gotten the, the money from the Warriors yet? I don't think they have, and I, they didn't get the money from the Raiders either. Shocking. And everybody keeps pointing to the fact that like, if the A's were to leave, um, they need to pay off their half of the current site. Uh, which I don't know what the totals are anymore for what they owe, what's left to be owed. But it's like, why? They nobody. No they, one else. Oakland did. didn't make anyone else pay. I mean, they they did take the Warriors to court for that, and the, like the court did side with Oakland, which they should. I mean, was right there in their contract. Yeah. But, and I think that those two things have definitely played a part in everything that's happened. And I know someone got mad at me for dragging the other teams into this, but they, they played their part. They left town. They, they moved out and didn't pay the rent. Yeah. Oh, Eric has some breaking news here. Howard terminal will be hosting the Athens Olympics <laughs> in 2004. That's going to be huge. I'm so excited. I uh, I bet they'll get Journey to do the opening ceremonies. Um, they said they would get uh, WWE SummerSlam and Royal Rumble, both of which average over 50,000. I, I put out a tweet during the Memorial Day one that made that same point. And like even the World Baseball Classic uh, this year with its popularity outgrew a 30,000 seat arena. Like their games were were their their more, more their normal games were averaging less, but I think their um, their finals were over thirty thousand. So that means that next year, next time it comes around in four years, their their base games are going to out out average that. You're going to need a forty or fifty thousand seat arena. Uh, stadium Unless you're do doing that. like the original like early seating rounds, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, 510 Bobbles also point out they rotate cities annually. So all of yeah. this stuff, everything they listed was a rotation and it's a rotation that you're going to, uh, you're going to have to compete with San Francisco. I mean, uh, Levi stadium gets a lot of those, those attractions. You've got a new stadium done in Los Angeles. That's going to get a lot of those attractions. Like there's too many new venues nationally for these national events that can hold more people. And it's like I said last week, as far as concerts go, I've got a 30,000, I've got a, uh, what uh, the hockey rink is like 20,000 or something like that. If, or 18 or something like that. Um, if the difference from me selling out an 18,000 seat arena and then going, well, I bet I could sell out a 30,000 seat stadium is a big jump. 20,000. Okay, so 20 to 30, that's like nothing. If I can sell out 30, why not go to Allegiant and try to get 40? 
you know, because concerts don't that, usually concerts don't usually sell the whole bowl anyway, because they'll have like the stage in the end zone. So it's like if I can sell out 30, I can sell out 40. And it, and it's worth it for me to go to the biggest place, even if there's 20,000 empty seats, because I'm selling 10,000 more than I could at the baseball park. Um. So, yeah, I don't see I don't see that playing out the way they hope it will, maybe in the first year or two, but not over the course of the whole loan. Uh, what else do we got in the comments here? As a wise person once said, a snake may shed its skin, but in the end, it's still a snake. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, nobody who was a uh, guest last or two weeks ago says a Candyland board, more like a Ouija board to communicate with his dead sense of ethics. Well played. Uh, Daniel asked, does anyone know how much is money or percentage of the A's did Fisher put up to Goldman Sachs? I don't know that he actually did because I heard that Goldman Sachs had backed out of the deal and that that was potentially what is making him flail so much. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the loan, which uh, if you look at the loan documents that uh, that D from Twitter pulled up, uh, it just the loan documents that are public just say that the team and all of its assets, broadcasting rights, merchandising rights, unsold tickets, all of it is collateral. So that would be a hundred percent. If that's what you're talking about, what would possess someone? do that for both of his teams he did it for the earthquakes too i mean that i get but that's, but that's nice. the thing i'm, I'm saying. sorry it's it, it, the, the broadcasting rights alone it's like a 50 million dollar um collateral yeah but all of it with the team and unsold tickets and all of that that's a hefty um, value if even if you think uh that they were only going to loan him 50% of the collateral, and usually it's closer to 80%. But if they're only going to offer them 50, that's still a half a billion dollar loan. Where did that money go? Because it didn't go into the A's. He he could have he could have uh he could have uh, used just the broadcasting rights as collateral yeah. for for whatever they spent on the A's during the uh, COVID years. So yeah, that that loan thing, and that would be something if I was in Nevada legislature. I'd be asking would, more I information. Would, yeah, I would at least find out. Like, you've got these loans out. Are these going to be since the A's are collateral in these loans? Are they going to be? Um, what happens top, to the default? Top of the waterfall when it comes to divvying out the the um, revenues. And what happens if you default? I mean, they would literally take the team. The bank. I'm not, I'm not understanding. Like, I guess I'm just like, how does like, what happens? I don't. Like, I don't know. It like seems the to me now the owner of the team. I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I what don't think happens? I don't think there's a precedent for that in at least in baseball. I don't, and it seems also like. If he owns, I don't know what percentage John Fisher actually owns. I know it's considerable. It's not just 51%. Like he's like a majority owner by a long shot. But it seems like you could have sold 20% of your ownership uh, stake 
uh, use that as collateral, you know, or in reality, he could be just selling off stakes shares uh, in general, just to finance this thing. Uh, 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 NorCal Nodder, when he was on the podcast a few weeks ago, showed me a doc. I don't remember if it was on the live or right after we went off live, but he showed me a document he had from the uh, Haas era. I think it was Haas. Um, yeah, it would have been like late eighties, early nineties where he was selling off shares of the baseball team for like, I don't know that ever came to fruition, but he's got the document, the documents this thick talking about the terms, um, to, to buy a share of the baseball team. And it's like, that makes sense to me. If, if you can sell a share of the team for a million dollars or whatever, all of a sudden you could still have, I mean, he could sell a lot and still be the majority owner. And all of a sudden he's got all this money that he can invest in this project or into this team or into paying down the debts so that he has more liquidity. So like, this seems like there's a lot of options that weren't taken um, that would make a lot of sense, but they're all creative options that require creative minds. And those are all in the chat room right now. They're not in Jack London square. Uh, what else we got? For non, one thing uh, says he has full ownership, but that's not right. No, it's not full because I mean, Dave Cavill and Billy Bean have a partial share. I last I heard, it was like ninety one percent. Because it said that Wolf used to have ten percent. Yeah, he was minority by by and a Wolf long shot. sold his ten percent to Fisher. Yeah, last I heard, it was like ninety one. But I don't know if that's a true number. I don't know how old that was. Bean has four percent, and then Cavill wouldn't tell me how much he had. But I would imagine it's in the half percent, one percent. I don't think he's getting the four percent that Bean's getting. So he could sell thirty percent of the team and still have a, a major majority share of this team and have all sorts of liquidity again. I've seen Shark Tank. He could have done that. Ninety percent of my business acumen is from watching Shark Tank. <laughs> that's where I get all of my business knowledge from. That didn't work, but that's that's different. <laughs> Eric says for non-baseball, they can't use a thirty thousand because no bleachers or other upper seats. It, nobody's nobody's bringing that up in Vegas though, because also there's nobody. What does the stadium look like? Well, yeah. How do you know there's bleachers? We don't even know what the thing looks like. Um, but nobody that's talking on this, they do not have stadium experts. They do not have event experts. They don't even have economists. The guy that is speaking on behalf of the economy is a uh, um, hospitality guy. That's got nothing to do with the economics of a baseball stadium. Just because you can run a – I worked at a hotel. That does not mean I could manage a baseball stadium. I work in accounting. I'm an expert. Yeah. It's like, it's such a different business. And like, he might be successful with what he does, but that does not make him a, 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 an expert on baseball stadium <laughs> stuff. I watch a lot of baseball. I can manage a team. And also like I was an operations manager for a hotel for a couple of years. And if it, if it, I mean, it's true that that's what his degrees in is in hospitality management or something like that, at least his bachelor's. Um, some of the numbers 
and maybe Vegas does it different than California does, but some of his numbers are also not at all how you would calculate things in the hospitality business. So it's like, I don't understand. You are counting numbers uh, not the way that baseball would count them, not the way hospitality would count them. Where are you getting these numbers? There's only two businesses that you're talking about, baseball and hospitality. You know? It's like he keeps talking about we're going to bring 8,000 fans a, a day to this game that would not come here otherwise or whatever the number was. It was a ridiculous number. And he talks about the boon of the economy this is. But in hospitality, you do not count people. You count room nights. So if I'm going with Elizabeth and Harrison, that's three people to this economy that I'm bringing in that are buying three tickets. That's one room night. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of these numbers are inflated because they're not using the metrics that they would actually use. They're using the metrics that work best for this argument, but they're not using the metrics that the hotels are going to understand or that the um, MLB is going to understand. Yeah. They're just, this is where they're getting the numbers from. Yes. Yeah. It's all out of thin air. And just to say, just the thing that bugs me too is they'll sit there and they'll go, um, if if a construction worker comes into Nevada and drops off a load of supplies, that's a job. Okay, that is one job that is related to the stadium. And if he decides to go to McDonald's that night and gets a, a Big Mac, the guy that gave him that Big Mac, that's two jobs that this stadium has generated. It's like, no. No. That guy was working at McDonald's regardless. That guy's working at McDonald's right now. So they're adding all these extra jobs. And that's why when they're asked, how did the Raiders projections compare to Raiders reality? They can't answer the question because the projections are totally bull. They're totally made out of thin air mm -hmm. because you're trying to factor in every single working person I come in contact with is not related to this project. You know, I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago where it was like, I want the government to buy me a car because every time I go through a drive-through, that's a job this car is generating. And that's not how it works because it would also be a job if I walked in or if I ordered it on DoorDash, right? So it's like the, these numbers are just totally, and they're not challenged enough. And maybe because the senators and stuff are so used to seeing these kinds of presentations that in their head, they're saying 400,000 is probably close to 112. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Um, what do we got here? Wayne Coy says better to have Fisher get his stadium increased value equals bigger payday. When he sells, he gets right on all debt and keeps the rest to go away. Um, yeah, that's true. And I do think, uh, the moment a deal is struck in either Vegas or Oakland, Fisher's going to sell. I don't think he's going to stay owner long enough to see opening day in a new no. stadium. hundred percent. Um, I would prefer, uh, Fisher to give all of his ownership and give to someone who will. Don't we all? Okay. There was more to that. He just got, he hit enter too soon. Uh, give it, give to someone who will invest in the team and keep them in Oakland. Everything Fisher touches turns to rust. No, that's exactly. And, and if, if Manfred wanted to actually use the power of his office at all, he would start forcing that and be like, get this done or I'm going to force you out. At what point do we think he does that? But at I don't, the think, same I don't time, think he ever will. No, of course not. Um, 
didn't already that's his name right uh moreno that oh yeah I'm like, am i making up names um the angels owner yeah, yeah. wasn't he trying to sell and yeah nothing happened i mean there was uh i saw one conspiracy theory that he was asked to back out because one of the interested parties was interested in either the angels or the a's and so he was told take it off the market because we need that owner. This is a total conspiracy theory. I've seen nothing to actually back this up, but it is a conspiracy theory that actually, I think like makes sense. You know, it's probably not true, but it makes sense because wasn't Lacob saying he wanted to buy either the angels or the A's. Joshua says, Tony ever hear why Kanye ended his partnership with gap. Guess what? Empty promises. I mean, Kanye, though. Yeah, that's empty promises on both sides. But um, if Nevada says no thanks, he ain't going to Portland or Nashville or South Carolina. Uh, he's coming back to Oakland, drops his need to have all extras and settles in stadium only. That's 100% true. And that's what I said after the Memorial Day um, trial when they said they would not be going back to Oakland. They have no other options. Nope. They cannot. They're already in Vegas pushed back a year from what they thought. They thought they'd be open opening day 27. Now it's opening day 28. They're already a year behind that. Um, to start from scratch in another city would be at least two years, probably more of legwork before they even got anything going. And, you know, Cavill said they were looking at six markets would not tell me what the other ones were. But he said they were looking at six markets when they decided to go on their parallel paths prior to settling on Vegas. So um, it was Vegas, Portland, Montreal. Charlotte and Nashville, probably. Maybe Sacramento. I don't think Sacramento would be on the list. I don't either because I think it would be a fight like San Jose was with the having the Giants minor league team there and everything. Even though I think it's shared territory as a market, I think the Giants would fight it. But... uh I know. It's a bigger market. If you're just going by markets that are within the range of current markets, um, those six would, would land in that range. And I think all of them are higher than, or larger than Vegas is. Vegas isn't a market. That's really not. Um... What else we got here? I would love to see them try to get public funds in Portland. That would be hilarious. I would actually pay to watch that. I'm told. Oh, Kevin says Fremont conquered Antioch. I think Fremont, that time might have passed. Because Fremont has built out a lot since uh, they last tried to do it. Personally, I always thought Dublin Pleasanton would have been the ideal place if they weren't going to get it done in Oakland. Dublin Pleasanton, because you've still got, you're close enough to the East Bay. You can bring in some of those people from Tracy, Stockton, Modesto, that area. Um, and you had BART out there and it was all open land. Like right there, like Hacienda Crossings and all that. It was all open land. Now it's all full of houses and shopping mm -hmm. centers. Like that all, and that all, if they would have done it there 15 years ago, it would be in the middle of a downtown right now. Because it's all developed around them. Um, Antioch, I don't see. Antioch 
has got more problems than Oakland, I think. Concord, I don't yes. know where they put it, but Concord could work. I mean, geographically, I don't know where it would go, but it's got easy access to Sacramento and, and the Bay Area. And Maybe the only thing I could think would be like the pavilion, but that's that would be a disaster to yeah. get in and out of. Like the pavilion proves that every time they have a concert. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know about Concord. I know there's plenty of places in the Bay Area that are still in the East Bay that they could have they could have chosen, and had they chosen them, like I said, like Dublin 15 years ago, it would have been easy, clear sailing. So I will say. When we talk about, you know, having just the stadium or having everything around it. Going to Atlanta, although the it, it's it's not the Brave Stadium's not in like downtown. It's it's a bit away. Um I went there the first year they opened Truist. It was some park that year, I think. Um, there was nothing there. It was just the ballpark, and you're like, this is weird. And then I went out there last year, and walking around, because you had, like, all the shops there, the apartments, condos above them, like you see in Emeryville. It was packed with people. And I was like, this is what they're trying to do at Howard Terminal. If this could actually happen and be even like 50% of this, this would be amazing for Oakland. Yeah. It just has to happen. Well, but I mean, they're not going to get that in Vegas. Even the old Coliseum City idea that Lou Wolf was floating around got 20 years ago now or whatever it's been. Um, you know, people are saying the Coliseum has been there for 60 years and nothing's been built around it. But for a lot of that time, like there was Malibu next door. Um, they really can't go north very much because of the way the freeway comes in with the train tracks and all that kind of stuff. You have the train tracks on the uh, eastern side of it. So it was limited, but also nobody tried. The A's own half that land now. Um, if they're willing to get rid of Oracle, which I mean... It needs to be updated anyway at this point, and I, without I was, basketball. I was fully on board. I'm like, the second the Warriors move out, bulldoze it. Yeah. Like, you're not hosting that many concerts where it's going to be a huge economic loss. And, like, I'm, like people are like, oh, no, you need to keep it for concerts. Like, if you have the option to have your concert Oracle or the brand-new Chase Center, I'm not picking Oracle. I'm going to go to Chase Center Yeah, every every single time. Yeah, if you bulldoze that, and now that the you know uh, uh, Malibu's not there anymore, like there's a little bit more land than there was 25 years ago, you could still build that around, and it could be you know it would still kind of be an island because there's not going to be it's not going to ever be in the middle of downtown, but it's something, you know. And they spent all this time negotiating with Howard Terminal on the whole project. You know, like there's all this contention about how much affordable housing they have to build. Why were they even bothering with that at all? Build the ballpark. Then in five years, you can go, we want to build some condos. How many affordable houses do we have to build? You know, do it 
in stages, but they were trying to negotiate the whole thing all at once. And I think that was their biggest mistake um, was, tr- was having to do that. And it's like your infrastructure needs for getting 30 or 35,000 people in and out of that stadium, 81 games a year, um, aren't changed drastically if there's also houses there. Right, you need a lot of streets and surface traffic areas and all that kind of stuff, whether the houses are there or not. So you still go in and go, we want to set up this infrastructure so that we don't have to keep updating it every ten years. But right now, we want to we want to go big on infrastructure and get the lanes and the and the uh, safety mitigation and all that, and build the park, and then we'll come back to you when we've got some more money and we've got some more time and we can see how things are shaking out uh, as far as development around Jack London square and all that kind of stuff. And we want to phase two will be a phase two instead of trying to do it all at once. I mean, again, that's, that's thinking ahead and doing things in a smart, logical way. And that's not how we do things. In but that's the thing is why are people, I'm a musician, you work in accounting. Why are we Coming up with these ideas. I mean, obviously, when you get down to dealing with a one and a half billion dollar project, there's more details that we're not thinking about. But like big picture stuff, if why are we thinking of it and they didn't even try it? And this isn't even an Oakland thing. This is they're they're not trying it in Las Vegas either. You know, it's it's like irrespective of my wishes for them to stay in Oakland. They're screwing it up there too. If yeah. I wanted to, if I wanted them to move to Las Vegas, I'd be pissed at the way they're handling that too. Um, Wayne Coy says Camp Parks in Dublin. I mean, that's not a bad spot. That's kind of what I was talking about. And and like I was saying, twenty years ago, there was nothing between Camp Parks and the freeway. Um, Alameda Naval Air Station that would require a lot of cleanup, but it is at the end of the island. You could build a bridge that was dedicated to uh, that site specifically. There's plenty of land there that's not really being used. You've got plenty of uh, opportunities to get ferries and stuff in there. That wouldn't be a horrible idea. And a lot of people thought when they saw that he was touring in Alameda that that he was looking at that, but that's clear on the other side of the city. Um, Or here's a crazy idea. I'm sorry to quote. Cray cray. Cray cray idea. The current site. Now I talked to a developer about that, and it's they because it's sinking. It's and it, below sea level, there's going to be a pretty considerable expense to get it above sea level. And Cavill told me that three years ago that the the main reason they weren't seeking that was he said because it's been there for sixty years and nothing's gone up around it. I dismissed that. That's just politics talk. But he also said that because it's sea level. A brand new building is going to have problems with the plumbing, just like this one does. It's going to have all these issues. Um, there are so ways around that. Yeah, there are ways around that, and um, it's expensive. I don't know where the price of that compares to the price of cleaning up Howard Terminal, because that's going to be expensive too. Are, um, are they not at the same sea level? No. Howard Terminal sits higher than the Coliseum site does. But how much higher? And like, really, that just from what this guy was telling me, it doesn't make that much difference. It seems like if you're just a little bit below, you're going to start having problems. It's not like it doesn't need to be 20 feet below or whatever. It, it's It gets worse, but it doesn't take much to have those issues, especially when you're that close to the water. 
Huh. I don't really understand the ins and outs of that, but he said it would be a considerable expense to build there. But it's going to be a considerable expense. Spends no matter where you build. Yeah, and 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 you've got to clean. I mean, Howard Terminal's got toxic waste on it that's got to be um, cleared in a way that it doesn't just empty out into the estuary. And so, I mean, there's going to be considerable expenses there too. So I don't know how it compares. But that, I think, is the main sticking point is just that it's below sea level. I was like, the thing about Harvard Terminal, like, yeah, there's a lot of toxic stuff that needs to be cleaned up, but that has to be cleaned up anyway, right? It should be. But that's the difference between whether the city is going to pay for it or whether the ports are going to pay for it or whether the A's are going to pay for it. I mean, I feel like the ports should be the ones to pay for it, but we know they're not going to. Yeah. Or the lovely steel company there. Yeah. At one point, this is Wayne Coy again. At one point, they said the current site was the only option. That changed after Lou left. I mean, yeah, he'd had that whole thing. He'd planned that out. And then that um, it was going to extend over the freeway where that Walmart has come and gone since then. They built that, and it went out of business in the time that they have not built anything for the A's. Well, that shopping center over there is um, rough. Sketch. Oh, yeah. Sketch. So I know from doing gigs all over the Bay Area, I know where every late night bathroom is open. Because you're driving home from a gig, you maybe had two beers after the show, and you're driving home. And sometimes it's a long drive. I was living in Brentwood coming in from San Jose. That's a long drive. So you got to know where every bathroom was. And uh, that Walmart was a late night open bathroom, and I never stopped there. (laughs) Um. Super fun story. Somebody pitched for the A's back in the day. Told me that he stopped at the Starbucks that's in there on the way to the airport. The team was flying to Toronto. In the time it took for him to run into Starbucks to get a coffee, someone broke into his car, stole his bag with his passport. He could not join the team in Toronto. Had to like calls the team was like um so my passport was just stolen like i can't get on the plane and the team had to like urgently get a new passport so for him to join them that's crazy and that was guy hasn't been in baseball for a while now so um it hasn't gotten better and i think my my dad and sister just were in like six Avenue, the one that's right there by the ballpark um, and how bad it was and this was the other day in the middle of the day and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's a hood I mean it could have been rejuvenated with any sort of effort yeah with a, a, a development that was a little bit more ambitious than a Walmart shopping center but Wayne says, that's the problem, guys. We don't have their myopia or greed or wardrobe choices. <laughs> the same tie. I have I have so many more ties than Dave Cavill, and I'm not the president of anything. <laughs> every time I'm like, is this an I think it's an every time I think it's an old thing, and I'm like, no, this is this is a new one. But it's the same outfit. That guy, he likes to pack three days worth of clothes in his suitcase and that's it. <laughs> I almost want to like order a whole bunch of ties and have them sent. Well, to the that's what we office. should have done. I 
I can't believe I didn't think of this until just this very second. We should have figured out where that tie came from and bought a thousand of them and done them as a giveaway for the reverse boycott. So we're all sitting there in cell shirts and, and his stupid tie. I mean, it can't be that hard to find. Oh man, we should have done that. Yeah, but now you're a week away. It's tough to get a thousand ties in a week. Is it though? I don't know. I've never bought a thousand ties. I feel like Amazon <laughs> can help us out. Uh, Joshua says, just shows John Fisher has been the culprit all along. I think this is why Lou gave up his ownership. Got sick of Fisher's BS. Um, I mean, there might be something to be said there. Fish, Lou Wolf, for all his faults, and I was not a uh, Lou Wolf fan most of the time. Although he's Lou Wolf for me was kind of like Billy Bean, right? Billy Bean would do something that you thought, this is the worst trade. What is he thinking, right? That's your knee-jerk reaction. And then all of a sudden you can go, I get where he's coming from. I can justify it. I look at these metrics and this thing and, and what the team needs. I can justify it. I may not like it. I can justify it. And Lou Wolf had a lot of stuff that he did where my knee jerk reaction was like, he's killing this team. And then all of a sudden you think about it and you're like, no, I get it from a business standpoint. I get it. I see what his end game is. Like for all the things that we didn't like about him. Um, it's a long list. And it is a long list. He did give it a shot. He, he gave did. it a good shot in San Jose. He gave it a good shot. He put more effort in Fremont than I think they've really given in Las Vegas um, as far as selling it to us or to anybody, to the community at large. Um, but yeah, it's possible. He just, I mean, he's an old guy too. He, you know, he was old the whole time he was doing this, but. He was always old. Yeah. He seems like one of those guys that was old when he was 20, but. Um, Probably. But I, I could see it being like, I'm too old for this. I don't want to, I'm tired. Health issues too? I, I don't remember. That, I think didn't. that was why he eventually did leave yeah. was that he had 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 some health issues and was like this is not helping i mean this job seems like it ages you prematurely um i mean we talked about it last night on a serious Cav note I mean, cavill does not look good no and i give him crap and this is the thing is uh i give him crap as a president the president of the a's I will sit here and criticize and all that. But the man, Dave Cavill, I don't wish him any ill will or anything like that. I, he is a nice enough guy. I, I don't particularly like him in his role as a president. He's always been very kind to me um, and, and all that. But yeah, he does not look, he looks like he's lost a lot of weight and his eyes seem like they're, he, he does not look good. And I can't help but think that the stress of this uh, whole process over the last five years has been good for his health. You're not getting healthier with all this stress. No. And, you know, and I kind of would assume, just based on how much Fisher we've seen in the last 20 years, that Cavill's kind of doing this all on his own. You know, I don't I don't get the impression that he's getting a lot of support from his boss. So he's taking all the heat. And I, this, again, this is not uh me trying to sympathize with the president of the A's. He's doing a bad job. He should be replaced. But I also don't think he's got the support system he needs above him. I don't think he has the support staff he needs below him. It's like it's him and Catherine seemingly doing it all. And this has been the case since COVID when they laid off half of Jack London Square. I mean, and since COVID, 
their whole process has gone into the toilet. I would just like to say that I had applied for the job of like the executive assistant to the president for like special projects back in like, I think it was like 2018. And they didn't hire me. And I'm like, I would have never allowed these things to happen. That's the thing is if you had the right people working around you, a lot of the stuff that, that has been come out that's negative wouldn't have happened. But they don't have a marketing team. They don't have a PR team. They don't have anybody sitting there. Go, Cavill, I think, right at this point, is trying to do this the best he can based on what his team did in California prior to COVID and what the team did in San Jose with the earthquakes. But now he doesn't have that team surrounding him. So they're flailing because they don't have a clue. They're out of their element. They're, they're, they're underwater. They don't know what's going on because they don't have any support staff at all. And this is John Fisher's fault. This is Dave Cavill's fault. You know, you get, you let a guy like Chris Giles go, who was actually making meaningful impact on the fan experience. And the fans split when that, when that person that knew how to do it leaves, the fans go with them. Right. So all of this, like, cause they didn't have these problems uh, getting legislation passed in California, which is, by all metrics, a thousand times harder to do than it is in Nevada. But they got the legislation they needed in their past. But they had, that was pre-COVID, pre-layoffs, when they had a full staff of people behind them. And so I think that that um, has to be weighing on him. And I think that's why we're seeing like this physical, visible, it's like he's visibly different than he was when he came here five or six years ago. Yeah, he definitely looks like he's lost a significant amount of weight. And like you, you mentioned, like his eyes look like they're bold. I like his eyes. Are, I think he's lost so much weight in his, especially in his face, that his features are more prominent because this like sunken in look. Yeah. Because like every time I see him, like dude looks unwell. And I, I have a high stress job. Like I get it. Like there's times that I don't eat because it's like, it's so stressful that you have so much going that you just don't eat and you don't take care of yourself and you start to look like exhibit it. And, and, and you in your high stress job where you're feeling these kinds of things are doing doing it in one office. You're not doing it in multiple States. And when you screw something up, you don't, it's not trending on Twitter. So he's got that added, um, like I have no have sympathy. Spotlight on me. Yeah, I have no sympathy for the president of the A's, but I do sympathize with Dave Cavill, the man. Yeah, as because a person. He is, yeah, he's in an unenviable position right now, and uh, and he is being set up to fail, and he does not have the skill set, I think, to save himself. You know, he cannot fight the forces that are backing up behind him, pushing him over this cliff. Um, not to reference an, another movie. What show we got now? I, I'm going to with a movie. <laughs> um, the Replacements. Mm-hmm. Um, when Gene Hackman, um, um, yeah, Gene Hackman, yeah. was like, let's talk about fears. And Keanu Reeves' character says quicksand. And then he's like, he elaborates and he's like, you know, where you're playing and one thing goes wrong and then another and another. And like, the more you try, to write to fix it, the more you start to sink. And that's 
very much where they seem to be at. The more they try to get better and like fix the situation, the worse it gets for them and the further they fall down. Yeah. I'm sure I can pick one more movie reference than tonight. Well, we've got some more comments here, so <laughs> maybe maybe one will inspire you. Uh, Tom says, appreciated Barbara Lee's letter calling out MLB's antitrust exemption. What can we do to get local elected officials to keep up pressure in public and private to get the A's back to the table in Oakland? Uh, as far as the antitrust exemption, I think the pressure would be at the federal level because I don't think the Oakland A's or the Oakland, the city has the resources to fight that. But if you start getting Congress uh, interested in looking closer into this, um, that might have more sway. So if you can get senators or lieutenant governors or Newsom or anything like that to uh, to start questioning that exemption publicly, that might have more impact than um, any of the elected officials in Oakland specifically would have. But obviously, if you live in Oakland, you have representatives on this council that can make decisions. So you you should have that that um, your opinion heard with those people. Um, Always write to people. I mean, we had yeah. to in eighth grade had to write to our one of our like representatives on a matter that concerned us. We had to like research it, like type up a letter and send it to them. And I actually like was one of the few people that got a letter back on my topic. So like they do read them and they do respond sometimes, but you know, bitching on Twitter isn't always the way to go. Yeah. But it, I mean, it is, it's, it's voice and opinion, but I know like sometimes I open Twitter and it's like 20 plus notifications. I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. Um, Wayne Coy says cable ties available now only at dollar general. That may not be true, actually, Wayne, because I have someone on Twitter telling me that they think they found him at Banana Republic, which would be fitting. Because um, they're owned That's by amazing. Gap. They I'm are not indeed. sure that's the tie. Let me pull up a picture of Cavill. I'm like, <laughs> green tie. Wasn't it striped, though? Or is it not? He, he has... I think he has a couple and they're like the same color scheme. So they all have to be from the same company. All right. So the one that he's wearing. Okay. So the one he's wearing, I think in the most recent, uh, the only interview he's done with a media person fairly recently, that's actually an A's tie. Was it the giveaway tie? I don't know, but I'm looking at it, and it's actually the A's logo a thousand times on the tie. So this is not that tie that he's saying, but we're getting close. Um, and it looks like Kevin Lee is all in the chat also looking for these ties. We're going to have all these ties. We're going to get them. We're going, even if it means having to buy them from Gap. Um MM4 Forever says, bottom line, the Oakland mayor has from now till Monday when the next session resumes in Vegas to get this deal done in Oakland. She needs to call them now. All right, so here's the thing with the Oakland mayor. And this is the difference between her and her predecessor. Her predecessor, a lot of news has been made by um, it coming out that she was instructed by the A's not to deal directly with Rob Manfred. 
her predecessor had the same uh, stipulation. She was told not to deal, and but she ignored it. And that's the difference, I think, here is that um, the current mayor is not ignoring that, and she should be. You don't let somebody else, if, if, if I go back to this example a lot, but like if, if you've got a McDonald's franchise in your town that is not doing what it's supposed to be doing by the law, it's okay to go to McDonald's uh, uh, corporate. You know, you can go over their heads. And I think this mayor needs to go over the A's heads and go straight to the commissioner. And, and, and frankly, at this point, what stopped her? Because the what are A's, they going to do? Leave? Yeah, the A's have backed out of their um, uh, their commitment to to good faith negotiate negotiations. The day they said they were on parallel paths, all that should have been out the window. The day they said we've picked a site in the wild wild west parking lot or whatever it was, that should have all gone out the window, right? There have been multiple opportunities where she should have said, well, if they're going to do that, then I'm not going to play by their rules anymore. Right. Because they they haven't played by those rules. Um, so I don't think she has to get it done this week. It would be nice though, if she was proactive uh, in dealing directly with the commissioner and making sure that he was a hundred percent aware of what they have done, especially with new grants coming through even just today. Uh, potentially, I know it was a recommendation, but I would imagine those recommendations carry enough weight that it'll probably get rubber stamped. Um, she needs to make sure the commissioner knows because if he's only getting his side of the story from Cavill and Fisher, then Oakland does not look good in this. But if if half of what they've said is true, as far as the negotiation practices and the level of commitment they've already solidified, then they're ahead of Las Vegas already. You know, and until there's a vote uh, to get this bill passed in Las Vegas, the Oakland area is still closer than any other area in the country at getting the Oakland days. And I think even after the bill's passed, it goes like 55-45. It is not all of a sudden 100% done deal because of the language in the bill. Um. Lou Wolf and Clarence the Angel from It's a Wonderful Life never seen in the same place at the same time. I don't think you're the first person to say that, actually. Uh, although Clarence would have to be like 200 years old by now. Um, Cavill hasn't been liking things on Twitter in a while. That I've noticed I follow that every day because I wrote a piece about his activity on Twitter since the Seagull incident. Um <laughs> And he has been liking a lot of the only things he likes are A's related tweets, but he does not engage with anybody, which is a stark contrast to his. The OG days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, it's gone. He I, was think giving it's, up on us, sweet. I think it's been like a week, at least since he's even liked anything on Twitter, even an A's tweet. He's been very um, busy. Has he? I mean, he didn't even show up to the first hearing. And then the second one, he bolt, bolted as soon as they asked him a question. He was like, um, see ya. <laughs> Wayne Coy says, that's where they effed up. Kim would have changed the entire trajectory. Howard Terminal would have been built already. Thank you. You're my new favorite person. <laughs> and Dave would have had at least three more ties. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, Joshua says not having the right staff and marketing was the same when Finley owned the team. 
sold to Haas and everything changed. Need to sell to Lake up, forced by uh, my MLB and Manfred would turn this team around. That's true. Uh, in a lot of ways, Finley's worst enemy was Finley because he couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth. And, he, you know, and he had, and this is, I always go back to those days when people say the commissioner works for the owners. So that's why he won't do anything. That wasn't always the case. That is a recent phenomenon. Thanks to Manfred and Bud Selig before him, the commissioner in Finley's Finley's days hated him. And they were constantly going back and forth and fighting with each other. And he was constantly putting Finley in his place. So this notion that Manfred can't do anything because he works for the for the owners, that's bull. He works for MLB. And so there there is precedent within A's history specifically for a commissioner to actually grow a pair and do something. But yeah, that's a good I mean, that's a good point. Finley did not really know what he was doing. Um, and he was a great innovator in some ways, and then in other ways, he was not adapting to the times fast enough. And and Haas was able to to look at it and go, you know what this place needs? Some money. Some payroll. Funny and how that works. Three World Series appearances and, and out out uh, outselling the Giants every year. Um, well, you look at the Padres. They were trash for years. They, didn't, they have a gorgeous stadium and wasn't a ton of people. And now they're spending money on players. And oh, look at that. They're selling out games. And they're... Winning, yeah, and one of probably the harder divisions. I mean, more or less, you've got the the Dodgers who are spending all of the money. That do you think Bob Melvin exists. wakes up? Do you think Bob Melvin wakes up every morning and goes, "Oh, thank God"? <laughs> like that was a sign that things were going to get real bad. Yeah, he's when the right Bob Melvin's like, "Bye." <laughs> Local guy working for his local team saying, peace out. I'm moving to San Diego. Um, While still under contract. Yeah. And the fact that they let him. I mean, there's a certain amount of respect that that shows towards Melvin, but also it's a certain amount of, yeah, we get why you're leaving and your assumptions are correct. This is going to suck, you know. He said that Libby had this Libby chef had a much more fractious relationship with the council. That's true. But if you're looking just in terms of MLB, um, when she was mayor, Rob Manfred was saying it will be a grave mistake to leave Oakland. We will regret leaving Oakland. Oakland is a major league uh, market. And with this new mayor, it is see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. So I think uh, whatever the case was between Libby and her counsel, she definitely had the ear of the commissioner in a way that this new mayor has not established yet. And it's, she's new to this. It's been like five months, six months, whatever, but now's the time. If this is a priority and I know Oakland's got a thousand priorities, but this is one or two phone calls a week. This is not something that's going to take her 40 hours a week to do. You know, this is not going to monopolize her time, but she needs to set up that relationship with the commissioner's office over the, the, the wishes of the Oakland A's are 100% meaningless at this point. You don't work for the A's. No, I don't. You work for the people of Oakland yeah. that elected you. 
And uh, if they're telling you, we want the team here, we want you to fight for this team. That's you, you do what you need to. Yeah. Josh piggybacking on my Haas comments says, uh, believe it or not, the A's had the highest payroll in 1991 and the highest contract at the time with Jose Canseco. Um, don't remember the exact deal, but was the highest at the time. I remember when I was a kid, I was 10 years old in 1991. And I remember as a kid, what's that smirk, Kim? I was slightly younger. Um, Jose Canseco was in the tabloids. right? This is the difference between baseball in the 80s and 90s and baseball now. Jose Canseco was in the National Enquirer all the time. I mean, part of it was because he was dating people like Madonna and crashing cars and all that kind of stuff. But everybody knew who Jose Canseco was. Everyone knew who Mark McGuire was. Those guys... Every, it was not confined to Bay Area people like it is now. Everyone knew who those people were. Well, you look like even like Ricky. Everyone knew who these people are. Ricky. And then, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, he's got a field. Um, like even so one of the people I work with, he's from Minnesota. He grew up a Twins fan and everything. And he he and I were talking, he's like, I thought of you. He's like, I, you know, I grew up a Twins fan, but I was the biggest Ricky fan when I was a kid and I wanted to be him. And he's like, I was too short to play, but like, like absolutely idolizing. This is someone in Minnesota. Like that's the power that baseball can have. That if you market yourself correctly, you're not getting fans from just your selected local area. Oh yeah. And we can go back to the fact that MLB TV is blacked out in fucking areas. Well, I mean, the whole the whole marketing of that is a big reason why it's so localized. Because, like, when I was a kid, it was Channel 36 had the A's. Everybody could get it. That was a regular – you didn't have to have cable to watch mm-hmm. that, an A's game. Mm-hmm. Um, or Channel 2, I think, at some points had it. But, like, that was – it was regular TV. And that's why there's so many, like, Cubs fans. Because mm-hmm. everyone got WGN. Um, I remember everyone. I was in the third – I was in the third grade when Ricky broke the record and it was a day game. And there was a guy in my class, his name was Steven. I don't remember his last name, but his name was Steven. And his dad took him out of school that day because just in case he broke the record, right? And he came to school the next day with a t-shirt from that game. And I swear to you, he was the most popular kid in that school for a day. And we were all third graders and it was like, oh my God, you got to leave school to go watch that game? Like it was epic, you know, back then. I don't see that happening these days. And it's no. partially because the games I mean, are hard to watch and it's too think, expensive to go. I mean, if we think about like last year, the Aaron Judge home run, like chasing after that elusive number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like at the end, like that was, that was exciting to watch. And like even pool host going, as you know, because you're like, you're running out of game and then you're just like, can he do it? Can he do it? Can you do it? And then like when he actually did it, and I, I just don't feel like that got quite the attention it deserved. But I think having it happen kind of at the same time as Judge doing his thing and I don't know, but those, I feel like those were also September. So you've got yeah. football going on that kind of, these things happen in baseball, now back to football. 
I, mean, I think the last time I remember it being like a national story was the Maguire Sosa chase. And maybe I'm biased because Maguire used to be on the A's, so I was more focused on it, even though he was on the Cardinals at that time. So maybe I'm I'm not remembering it correctly, but I remember that being a huge deal, you know, where it was on news channels and and stuff, even out of market. And I don't really remember anything baseball related that has been as big as that home run chase was. Nope. It's funny. So you mentioned one channel uh, in front of Bay Area fans, and you get all this nostalgia. We have such weird nostalgia points in the Bay Area. Because now you got people quoting stuff from channels, Channel Perfect 36 in San Jose with Carol Dota and A's Game Speed Racer and the Three Stooges. And like I remember uh, uh, somebody wrote to Channel 44. I don't remember the A's on Channel 44, but I could be wrong. Yeah, um, I think that was like the early 2000s. Was it? I want to say it was. I, I know they hopped around a lot because they yeah. were. It was I like, say it was like 2004, 5, 6, 7, uh, sometime in that frame. It's like you look at that and it's like Wayne says channel 44. And for some reason, my brain went to channel 20 and that stupid dance party show that what's his name? The owner of channel 20 used to do. And like, that is a vivid memory in my childhood. that just popped into my head because Wayne referenced a totally different channel, <laughs> but I'm also old enough that we didn't all have cable. And so those channels were like, you know, Channel 44 is where I watch The Simpsons, but uh, Cartoon yeah. Network was Channel 52. It's weird how we have these uh, things stuck in this. Speaking of Ricky, and this is from Joshua. Speaking of Ricky, Canseco's contract kind of caused a rift between because Ricky was wondering why am I not getting paid higher when in 1990 he signed a contract extension with the A's. Welcome to the A's. Well, I mean, I think that partially goes back to what I was saying about Canseco was in the news. Canseco was, whether he was the better player or not, and that's, to me, not even debatable. Uh, Henderson was the better. Ricky is the better player. But Canseco was in the news. You know, he was uh, uh, an attraction as much as he was a player. I mean, I used to go to games and sit in the bleachers just to heckle him. Uh, and Kevin Lee and all the dog commercials. That was Channel 20. The little interstitial things where they had them sitting on a chair in front of the Channel 20 logo. Uh, Wayne says in the 60s, they were on 44 into the 70s. Um, Dave, now we're just talking about Bay Area television. This is not even an A's podcast anymore. This is a <laughs> retrospective on A's television. Uh, KNTV, Charlie and Humphrey's Good Stuff Hour. I have a picture with Charlie and Humphrey from... Uh, uh, the first San Jose Comic Con, and I should that was like my profile picture on Facebook for a couple of years, and like three people understood the reference. James Gabbert, that was it. TV twenty and the dance party, and he used to have like a late night creature feature type of rip off, and that guy was a weird, weird guy. Well, that was a trip down memory lane I wasn't expecting to take tonight. So um, Monday. For anybody still watching or anybody listening um, on the podcast, Monday, you're going to come to this YouTube channel. You're going to click a link in the in the description, or I'm sure I'll post it on Twitter too if you follow me on Twitter. You're going to wait in line, and I'm going to pull everybody in, and we're just going to talk good things. Right? We're having a dance we spent, party. We, we, it's going to be <laughs> – I've got James Gabbert coming in to MC it, and uh, – <laughs> 
Uh, and we're just going to have a good time talking about the things we actually like about this team. You know, if, if it's the end of the road for the Oakland A's, I think we should have like a, a visual diary of, of the good times. If it is the last ditch effort to save the Oakland A's, I think we should have a, a collection of, of people talking about why they should stay. Um, but definitely. Okay. Ginger. I can't, I got, I got to stop looking at the, uh, chat because they're still making references to things from when I was a kid. Um, you said yeah, Ginger gonna... and all I can think of is Gilligan's Island right now. <laughs> um, she said, this is only if you're a Bay Area kid of a certain age, you'll get this glue. I need glue. I don't think I'm of Kim, age. Kim's too young for that one. <laughs> um, he broke the lamp and, then, and he was wearing a Raiders. He used to wear the Raiders. Okay. Anyway, Monday, you're going to come back here. We're all going to get in line. I'll bring people in. I'll introduce you and you have as much time as you want to just share stories or memories or whatever you want to do. Um, and we will go as long as there are people waiting to go on. I'm not going to cut you off like the Nevada legislature would. And uh, the time yeah, it'll just now. be a good time leading up into uh, the reverse boycott on Tuesday. And hopefully get some uh, some good energy going around this team because this has been a year of colossal negativity between the on field and the off field stuff. And I think well, there wasn't they just said something like, "Oh, this is the off field off field drama spilling over into the on field stuff." I'm like, that was your decision to do this week two of a yeah what, four month long season. Yeah, you um, you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. Shush. It is, it is a... Uh, it's a distraction, 100%. Well, it's like Kim, but, the, the other Kim was saying last time. distraction from? That's the thing. It's like, what are you, are you telling me that this team, if there wasn't all the off-field drama, would be at 50 wins right now? <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, so the on, off-field drama is making them play worse. So they would have had 17 wins instead of 12 or whatever we're at right now. We're at 14, thank okay. you. Oh, yeah, because of our third winning streak of the season. Oh, my God. I, I talk, My uh, trainer that I work with, he's a Mets fan, and he always gives me shit when I talk to him. I was like, we are at 13 wins. Thank you. <laughs> How dare you? And when I see you next week, we might still be at 13 wins. <laughs> I mean, are we playing this week? We're playing the Brewers? Yeah, we're going to be at 13 wins. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Although, you know what? I fully expected the Braves to come in and just mop and embarrass them completely. And, and that was not the case. No. I, I mean, there like, are some highlights to be talked about, but... The off-field off drama takes precedent. It's, yeah, it's like, okay, so the off-field drama takes you to a negative 10 and the highlights add one to it. You're still in the hole. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll be there Tuesday. Good. <laughs> Kevin says the Glenn Kuyper incident oh feels God. like ages ago. That was like 2019, I think, that that happened. Like, <laughs> I said that last night. I was out for drinks with some friends and I was like, all of this stuff is just so stupid and it's just one distraction after another and one bad PR bit after another. And it does feel like we have lived through seven seasons this year. 
It's been a really long season and it's only June. I almost Met- said July and I was like, nope, not even July. No, barely a week into June. I haven't even made it to the All-Star break. Who's going to the All-Star game for the A's? Because they have to send somebody. We are obligated to send someone. Um, I can think of two people that probably could get it. But they'll be... Manager. They're not going to. They're, they're, they're going to be manager picks, you know, 100%. the week before. But what? Who do you think? Because I want to see if you think. I think you're going to get at least one of the ones I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. None of them are great. You won't know. But I mean, if you're picking the best of the worst. I would guess Rooker has a shot. I mean, he's he's leading the team in home runs. That's, he's one that's of, who he's, I'm thinking. He's one of the few with a respectable batting average. Like, it's not – I don't think he's having an all-star season by any stretch, but under the circumstances, he might be the best the best shot. That's who I'm thinking Uh, Kevin says it would be Kara Subi, Suboy. <laughs> Let's go A's. Yeah. Is she still there? Uh-huh. Wow. What a tough gig that's got to be. Wow. Well, yeah, there's only one other person I can think of that would possibly be it, but my guess is that it would be Rickers. Ruiz? Yep. Yeah. Like he, like the two of them have been kind of one of the few bright spots on the team. Yeah, definitely no one on the pitching staff. So it's got to be, it's got to be a hitter. Are you saying Fuji is not your pick for the Cy Younger? All right. So. <laughs> I got so much crap, and and Steve, uh, our friend Steve, uh, agrees with me on this. We we talked privately about this, and I got so much crap for saying if he was as good as y'all think he would be, the A's wouldn't have got him. And here we are, right? Like this year, they're not signing the next uh, Ichiro here, or Shohei, right? This is this is a guy who is. I don't know if he's playing hurt or if he's just underperforming, you know, under the spotlight of major league baseball, but you could not get less of a spotlight if you're on a major league team right now. But yeah, the, the second they signed him, I'm like, yeah, hey, that's not going to pan out. Yeah. <laughs> the people gave me garbage for it. I mean, he seems like a really cool guy. He seems nice. And you feel really bad for him, but he just hasn't seemed to. I mean, any other year, well. Any other year, he wouldn't be on the team. Most other years, yeah, he would have been sent down by now. Because they would have had a farm system that had somebody that was at least a little bit 
Mark, you know. Which I'm sorry. How did we get rid of Chapman, Olsen, Murphy, and still not have anything to show for it? Well, that's my. You talk about wild conspiracy theories. That's the that's the one that I know is not true. I know it's not how it happened, but in the back of my head, I still believe that this was all intentional, that this was being enforced going, you know what? We're done making this guy look like he's doing a good job in this team. Let's give him the players that his payroll deserves. You know, <laughs> Like you look like as when they got rid of Hudson, they got rid of Mulder. What they got in return was solid. Yeah. Like Mulder, they got what I can think of two pitchers off the top of my head, but Dan Heron being one of the two pieces. And that was a fantastic pickup for what we lost. Like every other like trade where we got rid of someone and we were like, yeah, this sucks. But we got like six pieces that set us up for years to come and set us up for success. And, one of the people we got for uh, Mulder was Derek Barton, so I don't know. But we also got um, Kiko Calero. Yeah, that was the three. Such a fun name to say. Kiko, Derek, and Dan Heron. Um, I mean, at the very least, we got a running gag. We got a running gag for a decade by getting Derek Barton. We got two really great pitchers and Derek Barton. Could Fuji's downfall be because of our pitching coach? Emerson never had had major that. league experience. I think uh, there's a couple guys on the coaching staff at the major league level that I would have replaced. Um, there, like Emerson, I, 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 I've heard that he's a delightful person. He's a very sweet man, nicest guy you'll ever meet. That said, you look at what the pitching staff has done in his time as a coach and it has gotten progressively worse. You look at um, even Caprillion as an example, he like his first year with the A's had a fairly good season. It was a COVID year. So you kind of have to take that into perspective, but even to start his numbers were far better than they are now. Yeah. And it seems like the pitchers that have been on the staff for a couple years now, rather than progressing and getting better as one would expect from a major league pitcher are going the other way. And you, the only thing you think of is the pitching coach. I thought that several times though, especially in recent years, I thought that when they got, or when Chili Davis left, you saw an almost immediate decline in plate discipline. And by the time his guys had filtered through the team and left all of all of the stuff that made his uh, tenure successful had gone out the window and they never really replaced that with anything that was like a, a noticeable strategy, you know, and, and since then for years, since then through two batting coaches, maybe three now you haven't seen uh, like a uniform team strategy on how to get hits, how to get on base, that kind of stuff, like you did with Chili Davis. 
I think we're seeing that in the pitching staff now is that there's not a uniform. This is how we're going to attack hitters. This is how we're going to uh, train and condition and all that kind of stuff that is why your team becomes tough to beat, right? Because it's like, if you know you're going against a three, four, and five pitcher for a weekend, um, your scouting reports will tell you how to beat them and all that kind of stuff. You got a good shot. But if the whole team, if it doesn't matter which pitcher you're coming into, you're going to get hit with the same strategies or as the as the pitcher going in, you know that the the batters are going to uh, take a lot of, like with Chile, take a lot of pitches, get those pitch counts up and get you out of the game regardless of who's in the lineup. That kind of stuff is what makes it uh, a strong team. And you saw that yeah. that strength with Chili Davis where these guys, even if they weren't getting a ton of hits or home runs or whatever, they all had good on-base percentages or they were getting pitchers but out by the, the fourth goal. inning. Get on know? base. And I think I think uh, they lose something when they don't have that like coherent team strategy. Right now it feels like they're all out there without coaches at all. You know, because there isn't I don't I don't sense uh, a cohesive strategy from all through the lineup or all on the pitching staff or anything like that. And looking like using the Raiders as, a, as an example, like they burn through a lot of head coaches um, yeah. as a fan, like seeing that and like. You have a lot of turnover and it's really hard for a team to grow when you have that constant change. Scott's been there for several years. So there's no excuse for like came up like, oh well it's a new pitching coach. They're they're learning, they're adapting. No, he's been there. You're working with the same person. There's there there's no excuse for that. But that's just me. On the flip, you've got guys that have been there a long time but have had several positions. They keep moving Darren Bush around, and he hasn't really been successful, in my opinion, in any position he's had. But it's like, how if you what have his role these days? I don't even know what he is now. But if you have so many specialties, is is he the? That can't be right. Um, if you have so many specialties where you can bounce around like this, why aren't you a manager? Like this is gonna bother me. What is his job? He's only 49. Jeez. <laughs> and that's coming from me. Really? Bullpen coach in 2013. After the 2014 season, he was hitting coach. That's what I was going to say when I said that can't be right. I was going to say, was he the bench coach? Yeah. So he's been a bullpen coach, a hitting coach. Uh, after Chile left. So there's where that problem came from. Um, Why did I think someone else was the bench coach? Third base coach and now bench coach. Wait, who was the bench coach? Well, it was Kotze, wasn't it? Under Melvin. But who? Oh, yeah, who last season? Uh, the, the one. You know which one. I'm the one. On his, I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, I know. I'm blanking on his name. What is his name? 
I blocked a lot of the last couple seasons out of my memory. That's fair. But like, how do you get a guy that is a bullpen coach and a hitting coach? And a bench and third base, whatever. Those are kind of less specialized in my book. But a bullpen coach and a hitting coach. Christensen, that was it. Um, thank you, Ginger. Where is he? Is he not with the team anymore? I feel like certain people have been with the team. I feel like he's not with the team anymore. So, yeah, that, that going back to the original question, I think uh, the pitching, the, the coaching staff in general, I think is kind of been in disarray for a while because they're just playing musical chairs with everybody. It's like, oh, it's your turn to be bullpen coach instead of, yeah, Christensen left with Bob. Emerson played in the minors and sucked really bad, according to Gary. I mean, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem if a coach didn't play in the majors because some guys just don't hack it as players, but they have such an understanding of the game. But if you also didn't, if you didn't make it as a player and you also don't have the, uh, you know, the depth of knowledge that it needs to be a coach, then it's not really. Um, so I just, and I'm on Wikipedia because God bless Wikipedia. Um, our assistant hitting coach. Is who, a 14 year old from Boise. Who played one season with a batting average of 0. 0.080. Hitting coach. The assistant hitting coach. Zero home runs, zero runs batted in. What did you do? How? How? It's amazing. I, I mean, these guys, and the, 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 the sad part is, is these guys would only get a shot in the A's organization at a major league level. And because of the team that they've been dealt, they're never going to get a shot anywhere else. You can't, I don't, you can't run from the stink of having a hundred plus losses two years in a row, whatever. And I feel bad for Kotze and Kotze knew what he was getting into when he, when he took the job, but I don't think he could have. I don't think he was be like this. Um, our hitting coach is only 40. Baseball players are weird. Uh, they either look like they're 14 or also, seven. I don't remember this guy being on the ace. For the, that's because he only played in professional baseball for one month. <laughs> I, uh, I actually met for the A's. <laughs> I met a player last night who was formerly on the A's that I had no recollection of him being on the A's. But had two home runs, seven RBI, and a batting average of 0.224. That is our hitting coach. He's 40 and just turned 40 in April. I mean, that says a lot. I still don't remember this dude on the team. But who else are they going to get? That's fair. You going to steal a coach from the Yankees? <laughs> it's, it's just, that would be funny. It's just not going to happen. Well, this has been a long one. Do you have anything <laughs> else you want to throw in there? I'm sure I can think of something, but no. <laughs> 
So again, anybody who's listening or watching now, come back on Monday for the live A's fan diary. And we'll just, I might stream that on Twitter too, just to get people more access to it. But uh, I'm not real sure how the Twitter streaming works these days. But um, I think that'll be a fun one. And it starts earlier than these fan roundtables do. And then I will start probably, at four. Um, I think it starts at seven. Was that the the joke that I that was that had to have been a joke that the night games at Vegas were going to start at four? We didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about that. I didn't even think of it until just now. That was my favorite favorite. I was like, this is a joke. I might have talked about it last week. I don't even remember. That's the thing with this whole thing is I don't remember what week that news even broke because like. As I was writing my little pre-show script for this, news was literally breaking about those grants. And then a couple of weeks ago, while we were recording it, you know, live, something else broke in Las Vegas. Like, so everything's going so quick. Um, yeah, that four, four o'clock, four thirty. What local is going to a Tuesday game at four o'clock in the afternoon? Let me just leave work early. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, we did talk about this because last in one of the episodes because I had someone in the chat who lives in Las Vegas, and he was going through and he's like, "Schools get out at two thirty. The closest school is going to take you forty minutes to get to the strip at that time." He's like, he's going through it and he's like, "There's no way anyone's going to make it to a game at four o'clock." Yeah, that was stupid. I don't think there's anything serious behind that. That was just you're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. So dumb. Everything about this year is stupid. <laughs> I like it. It's that joke of like, New Year is going to be the best year ever. That didn't take long. <laughs> yeah. And then January 2nd, you're in the hospital. <laughs> well, I will see everyone on Monday. And then I'm sure at some point next week, uh, if there's a vote on Monday, maybe we'll be breaking news then. I don't think it'll happen. It'll, at best, it'll get voted out of committee, but we're probably still looking at several days into next week. So make sure you swing by here on Monday to do that. Um, if you're going to the reverse boycott, make sure you get your cell shirts and all that. And uh, keep going on Twitter. Get, do all the hashtags, get Nevada legislature um, in on the action and keep it going because I think to some degree, it may be working. It, it, you know, I think people in positions of power might actually be seeing some of that because some of the questions that I saw directed from senators that are clearly against this bill seemed like it was stuff that we'd been talking about on Twitter the week prior. So, you know, it might be st stupid and silly to even think that you have any of that power, but somebody's watching, yeah. you know, and, and that stuff is in the air and getting passed around. And, and I know the journalists are seeing it because a lot of the journalists in Nevada are following a lot of us now. Um, so I know word is getting back to these people in charge and, and the national media is picking up on what a loser John Fisher is. Um, so it's, you got to keep the public pressure going as Ginger says over in the chat. And, uh, and meanwhile, we're coming back on Monday and try to make the best of this uh, crappy situation. So with that, I will see you all next week. Have a good weekend. And, uh, Follow Kim on Twitter at underscore K-I-M-M-S underscore. And uh, see you next time. Take care, everyone.